0: Legends of the Saints, Valentine's Final Meal, by John Watechko, read by Scott Walton. As a jailer, you see people at their lowest point of their lives. You might only see them for a day or two, a week at most, but their faces tell you their whole story without them ever saying a word. I've seen murderers, thieves, arsonists, political insurrectionists, a whole slew of criminals. And after being in this line of work for so long, you can tell if someone is sorry for what they did. But I try not to talk to the prisoners much. Their wickedness can stain you, and you don't want to bring that home. Sometimes, if I can tell from a person's face that they're not actually guilty, or their sentence is much greater than their offense, I might be open to a small discussion. These are the people who are more inclined to talk anyway, because they feel so alone, so lost in their cell. But this man, this man was different. When I saw his face, I couldn't figure out his story. By now, I'd seen hundreds of faces, sad and repentant, proud and remorseless. But this man, this man had an expression I'd never quite seen before. And it intrigued me. I brought the man a crust of bread, what would undoubtedly be his last meal, and tossed it through the bars of his cell. He looked me in the eyes as he picked up the morsel. Thank you, was all he said. He had a kind voice and kind eyes, unlike any I'd ever seen in this place. He looked like one of the more innocent prisoners, except that kind is usually anxious to talk about their innocence. This man seemed content with his fate and his silence. Somehow I was not so content. "'Nice manners for a criminal,' I said. He smiled. Only some people consider me a criminal. "'So why are you in here, then?' I asked. "'I'm in jail for love,' the man said. (laughs) "'A crime of passion, was it?' I laughed. "'Something like that,' he nodded. "'Then he looked at me in a way I'll never forget. "'His eyes looked at me like he knew me, "'like he knew who I really was, "'and as if he was an old friend. "'He asked me, "'What's bothering you? "'What's on your mind?' "'I didn't know how he knew. "'I didn't know why he was so concerned about me "'when he was the one scheduled for execution.' And yet there we were, standing face to face, with nothing separating us except the dozen iron bars. What are you talking about? I said. I don't know why I didn't just answer him. I knew exactly what was bothering me, but I couldn't bear to be exposed like that. The man continued speaking. You're hurt and scared, and you feel alone. I understand. I'm worried about my daughter, I finally said. She's been blind since infancy, and her mother died during childbirth. So she's my only family, and I fear for her constantly. I didn't know why I was telling him these intimate details about my life. I would never shared this with anybody. But there was a familiarity about this man and a warmth that encouraged me to open up. Family is irreplaceable, he said. And it's natural to be worried about the world and frightened by the unknown, especially when you're concerned about those you love. My daughter is my world, I said, and I live in fear every day that something terrible will happen to her. It's so easy to live in fear, the man said with a gentle sigh. Fear of big things, fear of little things, fear of death, fear of life. And what do you get for being so afraid? what comes from fear? By knowing what to be afraid of, I said. I know how to keep me and my daughter safe. If you fear what you cannot control, the man said, then you will be controlled by what you fear. Can you change how hot fire is just by worrying about its blaze? But if I don't fear the fire, I argued, my daughter might get burned. But the man persisted. Know the fire, understand its heat and the pain it can cause, and then do well to avoid it. But don't let the fear of what it could do control you. If you know that it can burn you and you don't get near it, then why should you be afraid? There is, there is so much to fear, I said. Don't act out of fear. Act out of love, and I know you love your daughter. He smiled at me with a tender face that looked like he truly cared. And through the cold iron bars, he extended his arm and put a hand on my shoulder. Truly, this prisoner was unlike any I had met before. He removed his hand, nodded to me, then sat back down in the corner of his cell. I noticed that he still hadn't eaten his food. I looked at him, processing what he just said. Act out of love, not fear. It sounded so obvious, yet so profound. It was as if I was seeing the world for the first time. I had almost forgotten his sentencing. How could such a genuinely kind and peaceful man have committed a crime so heinous that he deserved to die. I needed to understand. You said you were in jail for love, I said. Yes, the man responded. So who did you kill, I asked. A former lover? A romantic rival? I've never killed anyone, he said. And I knew he was telling the truth. Then why are you in jail? I was getting aggravated. I am in jail for love of God and love of neighbor, the man said. Which God? I asked. I don't understand. Jupiter? Apollo? Orcus? And for as long as I live, I will never forget this moment. He looked up at me with a face that showed complete serenity and said, The one true God. Only then did I realize that this man was a Christian. A Christian! I never met one until that moment. But I knew that Christians were vile dissenters of the state who wanted to destroy our way of life. Yet, I had never met a man more compassionate. What was the truth? Before I had time to ask, I blurted out my confusion. I thought Christians were traitors and anarchists, I said. I was embarrassed by my bluntness. But the man just smiled. that's certainly how some people see it, he said. So then what did you do, I asked. I had a conversation with Emperor Claudius. Wait, I said. I heard people talking about some Christian who tried to convert Claudius. Uh, Was that you? Of that, I am guilty, the man said. But why would you do something like that? I prodded. For love of God, he responded. For love of God. I couldn't comprehend that. I didn't understand why someone would accept imprisonment and death for any God. But then I remembered something else the man said. You also said you were in jail for love of neighbor, I continued. Who is your neighbor? Everyone, he said with a smile. And not just those who believe what I believe. All God's children. Pagans, Christians, the emperor, and you. How did that land you in jail? I I was so confused. The man laughed slightly. (laughs) I secretly perform Christian weddings, which are considered illegal. Why? Why would you do all this? I was almost in tears. This foolish man was giving up his life for a foolish reason. You didn't have to perform those weddings. You didn't have to talk to the emperor about your God. If you were going to be executed for your faith, then why didn't you just hide it? If you just concealed your faith, you wouldn't have one foot in the grave. But then, in the calmest voice I had ever heard, the man declared, I do not fear death, for God has already beaten death. Was this Christianity, I thought? Peace, patience, kindness, trust, faith? A life led by love and not by fear? I, I, I stumbled. I, I want to learn. I want to become a Christian. Can you teach me? I don't have much time, the man said, but I will teach you a prayer. Before he could get any further, however, the head warden came in. Cassius, he screamed at me. Get away from that crook's cell. He's next on the chopping block. I didn't want to go, but the man gave me a smile and nodded. He knew, as I did, that this was just the beginning of my faith journey. I smiled and nodded in return, and as soon as work was over, I ran home to see my daughter. I didn't go to his execution. I couldn't bring myself to see that man killed but I heard that they tried to beat him to death with stones and clubs, but it didn't work. Must have been that powerful god of his. Eventually, they beheaded him outside the Flaminian gates. About a week later, I was preparing his former cell for a new prisoner. As I was inspecting it, I noticed something etched into the wall. It started, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be thy name, it was the prayer, the prayer that the man was going to teach me. In his final moments, he was thinking not of himself, but of a stranger who became a friend. I read the prayer quickly, committing it to memory. And when I reached the end, following the word, Amen, there was a short inscription that read, from your Valentine. a production of We Are One Body Audio Theatre.